What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Reclaim Your Voice podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the unseen, unheard, and underrepresented. I'm your host, Leslie Liu, trauma-informed self-defense coach, international best-selling author and speaker, and founder of Reclaiming Your Courage. Each episode is an unfiltered celebration of speaking from the heart, having fun, and celebrating the diversity of thought and stories from traditionally marginalized folks. All right, everybody, that last True Life, um, I'm in a coaching cult episode was so good. We felt so compelled to do a part two. And something that came up as Brandy really went into that story of her experience, like, keep in mind, this wasn't like a cult in the middle of the woods somewhere. This was a professional consulting firm type of environment. And I was sharing with Brandy that from a self-defense trauma-informed lens, as I was hearing her speak and kind of drawing to my strengths as like reading between the lines and reading what women have to say with their bodies uh, before sometimes they are able to vocalize it is she was sharing kind of these stories around grooming and having to attend fancy dinners with a very charismatic, attractive male leader. And so one of the questions that came up for me was, was there a lot of touching involved? And what I mean by that is, did you feel like he was always in physical proximity to you and touching you without consent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing that came up for me when you asked that question was there always seemed to be this high level of emotional intimacy that was like expected um, as if we were um, in a relationship, right? Um, he had a very loving wife that he was really dedicated to, but in the workplace, it was like he needed to have this sort of deep connection with the people closest to him. And so there was a lot of like, physically, we would be close to each other all the time. Like I was sharing, sitting really close to each other on airplanes or at dinners, or, um, there was a lot of hugging and touching and, um, just general grabbing and roughhousing and stuff like that. And it was, I felt as if it was expected. And then also um, we talked about this expectation of my body was a topic of conversation, you know, and we would do these retreats in tropical places. And there was this expectation that you would go and you would go in your bathing suit, you know, you would be on the beach for hours at a time and hang out. And, you know, you're in this professional setting and there's clients, you know, that you have these relationships with. And I always wanted these sort of safe professional boundaries. And for me, being in a bathing suit around somebody, for me, my personal preference is that that is going, that's another boundary, right? Um, somebody that I'm going to continue to work with. And then my body became a topic of conversation in a bathing suit, you know, especially when I dropped some weight, it was, there were comments about how great my body looked. And um, you know, he would tell me, keep doing that. That's the look you want to go for. Like, that's what I'm talking about. You know, like he was not only grooming me in the sense of what we, we know about from sexual assault, but he was trying to groom me into like this person that he wanted me to be. And it had nothing to do with what I really wanted in my life or how I felt comfortable in my body. Like I felt anytime I, the amount of anxiety and dread that I would have leading up to these retreats 
Um, and even the ones where we were fully clothed, where I knew I had to get on stage. Um, there was an enormous amount of dread because I knew when I got on stage, I was being critiqued from the back of the room as how my how well my clothes fit, whether the style was modern and hip enough, like how I was presenting. I was always a topic of conversation. I had giant suitcases that I would bring because they would be full of so many different outfits and, um, you know, makeup and thing. I mean, the Spanx and all this stuff so that I, when I finally got there, I would have options depending on how anxious I was to change my outfit several times. Now I travel with a backpack, you know, cause it's just like, yo, this is what I'm wearing. This is comfortable. I know it works. Bam. But I'm not kidding. I have suitcases that I have no use for now. They're so freaking big because I would have to, you know, like the anxiety would just kill me, crush me. Yeah. And as we're kind of like putting the bow on that portion of the story, because we're going to move on to other topics here, I want to say something and stab people in the front here. And it's something <laughs> that happens all the fucking time when you talk about victims in any form whether it's sexual assault, domestic violence victims, is there is always commentary outside looking in of like, well, why didn't you do X, Y, or Z? Mm -hmm. And so if that's in your head, I'm going to tell you to shut your face right now because <laughs> we are talking about like psychological, emotional, physical endangerment and damage. But also if she would have resisted, she would have lost her job and her livelihood. So I, I, I really encourage people to remove that damn sentence from their, from their language. Cause it's like, there's a clear difference of like, you feel bad and you don't know what to say to someone who has trauma. And there's actually creating more damage with what you're saying. So stop victim shaming people who mm -hmm. were just trying to survive. And they didn't, you know, they didn't do enough at the time because I'm like, well, there's also an aspect of not being physically fucking safe. Yeah. Yeah. And when you come from a place too, like myself, where it, I was constantly trying to be a better version of myself. So I had so much self-doubt that I thought, well, I'll, maybe this is something I need to get over. You know, it was always like, get over it, get over it, get over it. And I mean, and to speak to your point too, I mean, anyone that's listening um, I'm going to guess there's been a time in their life where they did something they didn't want to do to please another person. I mean, it happens all the time, whether it's family members, churches, organizations you belong to. I mean, schools. I mean, people are constantly, you know, over like jumping over things that mean something to them in order to make somebody else happy. They violate their own needs or desires. I mean, we're just getting past the holidays, but like, I guarantee most people listening violated one of their own personal boundaries for the sake of the holidays to make somebody else happy, you know? So it's like, you do that so many times and you're in it all the time. You soon morph into that's just who you become, right? And that's what I was trying to start earlier in part one of this is like, the human brain is really simple. Like we think we're so much like evolved, like there's really the, e the way the ego works. I mean, there's like a few things that check, check, check. I mean, like people who are so hardcore in like one political affiliation, you know, 
you're being groomed the exact same way to believe in something that quite honestly, we all probably know about 20% of what's really happening behind the scenes, maybe 5%, like we don't know, you know? So to that point. Yeah. 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 So in moving on here, Brandy is going to be able to lay out for us because we want to really concentrate on, okay, you listened to part one. Now you're here for part two because it's going to be more better. Uh, what, are some, what are some red flags that folks could be looking out for when it comes to yeah. like cult-like behavior or things that, hey, like this, this doesn't add up for me and maybe I should question? Yeah, I mean, I think um, reiterating what we shared in part one, um, prom like really exorbitant promises, right? Like you will master things. I think if you see anything that says you're going to master something, you already know that that's a lie because no one can guarantee that you're going to master anything. Um, they don't know you. They have no idea what you're capable of. Um, so those big promises are often a really big red flag. So if you're scrolling through an offer, and it has that listed, that's a huge red flag. Um, I also think anyone that has, um, you don't have, like we talked about, you don't necessarily have access to the person that you're purchasing from. So it's sort of this elusive nature of the leader, say, or the program, and you can get closer to them by investing more and more and more. Um, and that you're kind of starting out at this low rung because that's kind of part of those organizations is to lure you in and this idea of specialness and, you know, that the better you get, the more access you'll have. So it keeps that carrot dangling in front of you. Um, I think also like, um, people that have this sort of, uh, culture of, like the specialness, the secrecy, sometimes like special language um, where the leader doesn't seem to apply the same principles to themselves. Um, and also if they joke that they're a cult or make comments that they're culty, that's also a huge red flag because chances are they are. And what those environments and cultures typically do is they try to bring it to the forefront. They try to take any doubts and insecurities that you have and bring them forward and dismantle them so that you no longer believe that it's a cult. So if somebody says, oh, I have a cult-like following, and then you become part of it and it feels a little culty or you're noticing that, you're gonna go, oh, they joked it's kind of cult-like. It's not, they're already aware of that. So you already doubt yourself. Or when people say, hey, what I'm about to say is gonna be really uncomfortable for you. It's gonna be really hard to hear. But I want you to know if anything I say triggers you, it's just a mirror of who you are, right? So it's already saying like, yo, this shit's gonna trigger you and I'm super inappropriate and shouldn't be saying what I'm saying, but that's on you, not me. So they're like preempting what they're about to say so it continuously makes you doubt it and sort of dissolve any of those types of feelings. Ooh, my shoulders are raising as you're talking. I'm like, it's like when people like say, like, I empower you. I empower you to like, you know, like yeah. I empower. It's like very passive aggressive. It's it's just yeah. 
that that's yeah. on that's on you. Not, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or you know, just even saying yeah, like the saying, um, you know, like oh, you know what you said really that doesn't really resonate with me. Oh well, yeah. What's coming up for you? What where has that maybe been seen in you know elsewhere in your life? Like it all of a sudden makes you the problem. And I will be one hundred percent transparent. I have had, and I think it's healthy to have clients call you out, right? Or to say, hey, and that's one of the things I set when I work with my clients is I say, listen, if there at any time there's something that rubs you the wrong way, doesn't feel good. Um, I want you to bring it to my attention. And I say, I am in the trenches with you. I too am doing my work. And that's another red flag. If somebody thinks that they're above doing their own work, if they're above doing the inner work, if they're not doing their work, don't work with them. Like, because it never ends the inner work, right? And we need to be held accountable as coaches. We need to be continuing. Like we're human beings. We still have our own triggers. We still have all of our own shit. We're constantly unpacking. And running a business, you and I talked about, is like the biggest course ever in self-help because it's like you're every all your shit is on the mat. Like any part of yourself that may have been hidden in like some dark corner that you didn't want to look at comes full out when you start running your own business and working with other people, right? So I did. I have a client. She came to me and she said, hey, I just want to let you know this was said on our last session and it really upset me. And I immediately took responsibility. And I thanked her so much for bringing it to my attention. We talked it out and I took it and I really sat with it and I did some work around it. And I got to see like, yeah, where she felt like maybe what I said didn't land right for her. And we worked it out in no way. Did I ever say to her, well, what is that saying about you? I owned it. Right. Right. There's accountability. I think that's the biggest piece, right? Like you and I are talking about if you're questioning things towards your coach, or if you spot inconsistencies and that person gets angry or irritated or puts it back on you, huge red flag. And I am, yeah. uh, I love that you shared that example. Cause I, I get the same way. Like I openly in spaces where I coach have said, yeah, I take accountability for that. If I use a piece of language or something and I got it wrong, like I will apologize. Like I apologize. Like I receive that and I make mistakes all the time. I am a hot mess. But what is different <laughs> is that I recognize because language is evolving and changing, but I'm like, I own my shit. That wasn't, unca that was uncalled for. So how could I make that better? What would you suggest? Like, I'm actually asking my client, well, what would you do, do differently? Or if it's something technique-based or movement, like I'd always be in martial arts class and some dude, army dude or someone, I'd be like, well, this doesn't really work for me. I'm a big girl. I got big hips. My body doesn't really move that way. And instead of making me feel bad that I can't do the thing, I would have loved for someone to say like, okay, well, here's how we could tweak this to make this more effective. But instead it'd be like, mm -hmm. well, you just got to do it 10,000 more times. But I'm like, but yeah. number one is I don't learn that way. And secondly, I just told you that doesn't work for my body. Like I'm not a six foot like dude, right? Like there's all these things. And so yeah. response to you when you challenge them and not personalizing it is a huge component of whether or not it's a red, red flag, right? Because yeah. if someone's coming to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I hear you. And I didn't even, I didn't even see that in that moment, but thanks for pointing that out.
Like, can I, I just want to like process that a little bit. And then can we revisit this conversation tomorrow? Mm -hmm. right? And then just yeah. come back and say like, damn, I really put some thought into what you said and, um, you know, own it and say what you got to say, but also ask like for their feedback. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. It's a yeah. two way exchange because you're my client. I want to show care and love and support for you. I fucked up. So here's how I want to make it right. So I just wanted to say, yeah. That. Yeah. 100%. And I, I think too, it's like, um, and other, you know, other red flags in the sense of like, you know, because you and I, when we do work, we have that level of intimacy with our clients. Like we are what they're getting right. in somewhere or another. And I think that's, what's really important. And some of the folks that I work with that they, they really appreciate the work we do together is because it's that one-on-one, -on -one, um, or the, what we're working on is customized to, to where they're at. And I think that sort of speaks to like the giant programs where it's people come from all over and enrolling in a program. And this program is to speak to all different types of situations. And yeah, they can all fall in some general category, sure. But it's also like to make promises without having an understanding of where the person is starting from is really tough. So I just encourage anyone listening for like the Insta coaches out there that we see all the time on Instagram and everywhere else. And before you throw thousands of dollars at this high level program where you're getting some curriculum, just kind of being thrown at you. And it's sort of this plug and play and you're sort of out sent out to the wolves to sort of complete it. There's a really low chance that you're actually going to be one of their um, star students because I subscribe to so many of those freaking programs and I am a type A go-getter, high achiever, you know, dot the I's across the T's and I'm not one of their star pupils. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it took, and because not everything is applicable, like you have one way of coaching. I have another way, different topics too. Like we can sign up for the exact same program. How do we meld whatever we're learning into this plug and play? Right. So I think it's just really mindful to think, um, to, to focus on that. And one of, and one coach I hired several years ago for myself and for my business, one of the things I absolutely loved and I shared with you as well offline is when we started working together, she said, what you want to achieve, she goes, I want you to set your expectations. It could take anywhere from five to 10 years. Like, that's fucking awesome that she said that to me because that's real life shit. She's been doing this for a long time. She's met with lots of people and she took where I was at and knew where I wanted to get. And she said, I need you to set your expectations. This is not an overnight thing. And you rarely see that, rarely see that. And, but now when I work with clients and they come for customized program stuff, I'll say, where you're at, I don't think we can do anything under than a year. I don't want your money unless you're committed and you know what, how long it's going to take to sort, to start to see some results because you're, you're in the weeds. I'll do as much as I can to get you somewhere. Like you're going to start to see results probably in like three to six months, but where you want to go might take a little bit longer. Like, where are you at? And if they say, I don't know if I have that level of commitment in me or I'm not that patient. Okay, cool. Let me help you up with somebody else who might be a better fit for you. But I don't want to commit myself to you and know that we're not going to get anywhere. So that too is a red flag. Are you getting results? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's the, it's the biggest <laughs> one. Are you getting internal results? Are you developing as a person? Yeah. Responding to situations differently? And are you actually getting tangible, quantifiable results? And I'm not yeah. saying like you're making X amount of dollars, like that's a part of it, but it's like, do you, I, I feel like these are subtle shifts. Yeah. Five years to understand what a lead funnel is or all that stuff. You know, like <laughs> my brain, you know, it just, it is, it has taken that long. <laughs> um, before you, you said Insta coaches. So I'm like, Ooh, I'm gonna dive in. But like, is there anything yeah. else in terms of red flags that you want to share? Um, I think too, if their answer, if you have a problem, maybe you're not getting the result or it doesn't feel good. If their answer is to continue to stay with them, maybe invest in another program that they have or, um, purchase another product or, um, stick it out a little bit longer, um, until this isn't like, if the carrot keeps getting dangled in front of you even though like you keep saying, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And they're kind of keeping their hook in. I think that's a red flag because it's saying they've convinced themselves that they're the answer for you. There's thousands of coaches out there. There's so many different ways to get the result that you want. And it takes a level of humility and also a knowing that we are not the right fit for everybody. So if we don't match, right? then yes, and it doesn't feel good. Yes, please go and get the help you need somewhere else. Like, I don't want to consume you and insist that I am your answer, right? That's not the job of a coach. Um, and then also, I think a really big piece that I've been noticing more and more too is um, the sense of, um, it's coupled with that and like a lack of gratitude or a lack of um, realization of, you know, wh when does it become, when does it pass the tipping point where they become the guru and they think they have the answer and they are the one, right? Um, and that it's like this over sense of confidence and it's, it's tricky. I mean, and that's what I mean by the inner work, because when you start helping people and you do start to see them get results, it's not, it's not ours to own, right? Yeah. And when the people want to own it and yeah. continue to make money from it, that's where the ego gets real tricky. So if you don't have somebody working that out with you continuously and to keep yourself in check um, rigorously, because our minds are super deceptive, um, that's a huge red flag for me too. So I love that. Yeah. You're not a possession and you're no one, no one to be had. A coach can mm -hmm. be immensely proud of you and want to elevate you but yeah you and I talked about this that the greatest act of love that you can give as a coach is acknowledging when you are plateaued like I say this all the time like sometimes I even feel guilty like going to someone else doing my nails or um <laughs> with therapists it's like mm -hmm. at a certain point there was a plateau an uncomfortable conversation around like I don't really feel like you're getting me to where I need to go. And this isn't the right fit. And mm -hmm. so I feel as a responsibility as a coach to recognize when the person that I'm working with has been an immensely fantastic student and put in the work and say like, yeah, like I, I think it's a beautiful thing that 
and I'm grateful to have been part of your process, but I can refer you to another coach to level yourself up here or, or when the person isn't ready to go to the next phase of my coaching, like I'm like, yeah, got to go back here. You got to go back here. You can't be doing no roundhouse kicks. If you don't understand, (laughs) you know, like you got to go back here. And so I think that's the biggest like responsibility as a coach is under meeting people where they are and, Mm -hmm. and acknowledging you're part of the process, but you, you, you weren't it for them. You were a factor, but it's them and their light. Like they have all the answers they need with inside of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else on, on your red flag list before we go into, um, I think that's most of what came up for me. Yeah. Unless you have more to share too, <clears throat> but I know oh. I want to talk about the Insta coach. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. Cause I think that's such a good list for anyone yeah. who's thinking about yeah. coaching or if you're someone who's seasoned and you've been, cause I feel like you have to go through so many bad coaches or like mm-hmm. invest so much time or money into coaches before you can really acknowledge what a good coach is. Right. And to not feel guilty in that process. Like if you got to break up with a coach and go on to another coach, like no one should make you feel bad about that. And like to not feel bad about that yourself. So this leads me into our Insta coaches talk because earlier we were talking about uh, being part of a coaching organization. But I think that what has gone viral lately because of the pandemic and everyone being at home is like there's a surge of everybody and their mama being an Insta coach. And this is great, right? Like you want people in entrepreneurship, you want people to feel empowered to do these things, but like it has become such an overwhelming, saturated market of like, everybody's a coach. I'm like, ooh, that's a new one. I haven't heard of what kind of coach that is. And I'm not knocking that, but there's a lot more of a stronger filter that you have, have to have, because money and time is sacred. So you can't just like be going into the first Insta coach that slides into your DMs, <laughs> right? Who, who is probably a bot, right? And I'm talking to all you pitch slappers out there, people that hit me up, <laughs> like, put my name or like, I love what you do. I'm like, oh, what is it that I do? What resonated with you? Silent. <laughs> you didn't even buy me virtual dinner or whatever what I want to talk (laughs) about is that mainstream insta coach life like there's some celebrities out there I want to say it like that right like there's some insta coach celebrities and I'm Mm -hmm. like picking teeth out of my gums it drives me nuts (laughs) when people lead I think that there is a fine line between like leading with like trauma and shame and all these things that you are knowing to be triggering for someone. Like, I don't take it lightly to use the term trauma informed. I I let people know that this is my approach and this is why I approach it, but I don't want all my posts to be like, so you traumatized or you triggered by this or that. (laughs) It's like, yes, there's a way to speak to your audience, but there's also kind of this gross exploitation that is happening when it comes to trauma and kind mm-hmm. of other things that drives me nuts. Cause it's like you, you speak to it to hook people in and then 
you kind of swing the other way the next day in another post, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're like, hey, I think XYZ certifications are crap. Coaching certifications mm -hmm. are crap. And then the next day you market your coaching certification. That's to me like a red flag right there. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would, I, that brings up a great, uh, great topic in the sense of really look at, because when people become fans, they lose the ability to um, see with clear eyes. Like everything they say is the spoken word, you know? Like you could just vomit on a post and they'd be like, oh my God, thank you for your courage of vomiting. Like, that's so beautiful. You know, it's just like everyone, you know, and, I, and I'll see for myself too. I, I, I'm your classic fangirl. I mean, I become a fan of somebody and I am a loyal, I can be a loyalist, you know, where I'm like, no, they meant it this way. This is what they, you know, you, you misunderstand them. They're not really, that's not really who they are. Um, I watched the documentary the other day with like uh, Teal Swan, right? And I mean, that was like gut punch after gut punch. And then I wanted to hear what she had to say in response to it. And she had this rebuttal and she was saying like, oh, they hacked it all up and put all these pieces together and it was all out of order. And, you know, they didn't have the everything show in sequence and they, you know, made it in this dramatic thing. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. That's reality TV and documentaries but you said what you said. Like every scene were, was actual recordings of you saying these terrible, terrible, terrible things, right? And I'm like, that wasn't edited. Anyone who claims to be doing the work that you're doing and who you are, like those words came out of your mouth. Like, I don't even speak that stuff behind the scenes personally, because it's it was so toxic and so abusive, some of the stuff she was saying and how she was manipulating people. And she never spoke to that. She never spoke to the words that actually came out of her mouth. She was speaking to the dramatization of these like situations, right? And in defense, I read some of the comments and sadly in some of the comments, you have people going, oh, we know who you are. Don't worry. We know that's not your heart. And I'm like, no, she said what she said, you know? And it's not to demonize her or anything like that. Although I do think that she's a threat to society and some of the work that she's doing, but like, pay attention to what these folks are saying. Like try as much as you can to look at it with a fresh perspective and see like you're saying how one minute they're saying this and then the next minute they're flip-flopping over here. Is it in alignment? And how does it feel for you when you read that or you see that? There's a lot of people that I would be fanning out with online. And now that I have clear eyes, I go, hmm, I don't feel good when I see that. Unfollow, done. Yeah. And I think for me, the biggest indicator of when I started to unfollow people where I'm like, I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid is because I'm all for transparency, but I, uh, and even for profit, if you make it money, great. Like I want you to make money and I want you to do good in the world. But like when you start leading with like made, you know, $20 million this year, or let me show you in the, for the sake of transparency, like my expenses and my spreadsheet. <laughs> um. I don't know, like that. And then people are like, oh my gosh, you're so transparent. <laughs> I don't, you know, it, to me, that doesn't, I think that there's ways you can be affluent and wealthy and not super floss like that. You know, like I'm yeah. interested in like, well, how did, how did that view, like, how did that change you? Like, I want more like depth into like, well, what are you doing 
to not or the transparency could be like how much are you paying your team members you know like she had her overhead listed but how much of overhead like how much are you spending on marketing how much are you spending on ads how much are you spending on platforms to push your agenda you know are you equitable in how you're paying your team members because a lot of times in these coaching communities um especially those that are making quite a bit of revenue um they have admins from various parts usually of the world um that aren't fairly paid or they're sort of exploiting you know in some way or another so that would be interesting to see too like how cared for is your team is there turnover on your team what like what how do you run your organization you know um i think that's really helpful and even the sense of like charities well i i donate 10% to this charity all right, well, what does 10% shake out to be and what specific charities and why? And I mean, if you want to get to that level of transparency, like I'm not saying you have to necessarily, but it's like, like we're saying, somebody just kind of dangles a little bit, you know, oh, look, I'm transparent about my money and everyone goes bananas and go, oh, they're so real, they're so honest. There's a reason they're doing that, right? Yes, there's a reason <laughs> why they're doing that. And like to break it down for y'all, what Brandy just said is like, well, if your VAs are from third world countries and making $3 an hour, like, you know, mm -hmm. like, are your business practices fair? What causes are yeah. you donating your profits to rather than just using it as a tax shelter is really what she's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else comes up for you as you're thinking about some of the stuff that you're seeing? Because I felt like there was a lull for a while with coaching stuff. And then somewhat, some people went through some kind of coaching academy or anything. And <laughs> everybody's real, just like hit the ground running. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. And yeah. Then, now it, it what it does is it dilutes it dilutes the coaches who are not trying to make social media their primary they understand that yeah. it's a means to reach people um because they're actually doing the work with their clients mm -hmm. and for some of us like who don't follow the dog and pony show my myself included like I'm not the best at making reels. I don't want to make reels, right? <laughs> like, that's just yeah. It's a little awkward. Dan's getting camera for like you know. Sure, I'll get down. I'll I think there's down. other ways to make money doing that. <laughs> I'll never make money like doing reels, y'all. Just saying, I don't want to be pointing at stuff. <laughs> like, nah, like I'm. I'm just saying, like I'm. Yeah, that's not where I'm at. But and not knocking if you do that and you are yes, correctly, yes. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like whatever, whatever feels good, right? Whatever your style is. Some people are crushing it at reels and it's super fun. I've done a few. It's like whatever mood I'm in that day, like if the sun's shining and I'm feeling like extra spunky, I'll do a reel, you know, um, and be silly. If I'm doing an educational reel, I mean, I like the educational reels, um, like you do your lives, which are awesome. Um, so I think video definitely has its place, but I think, you know, I think what also happened was when COVID hit, people really reevaluating like what's important to them and their passions and their talents. And I think a lot of people um, have a lot of skills that can be valuable and used and, and leveraged in a way, um, yeah, that they can monetize, right? And I think we're seeing this sort of flushing out of people that are 
seeing if their habits or not habits, hobbies can be um, monetized, you know, if it's something that they really like to do, um, which, I mean, I encourage people to do that kind of stuff for sure and to live out like their passion. And um, if they feel called to do something, I think that's um, a huge separation from like the idea of the patriarchy in the sense that you have to do a nine to five and be in this rigid structure and, and be in these um, this oppressive system. And kind of how we started part one is, you know, for anyone that's in that space to know that coaching comes with a huge level of responsibility. It's, it's an enormous privilege to have somebody share with you what's going on in their life and have an expectation that together, you know, something will be created to move them from point A to point B and C and D and beyond. Um, I don't take it lightly at all. And I've had to, in which I knew I would, um, double down on the amount of self-care in the sense of um, in, ensuring my mental, spiritual, physical, emotional well-being is intact because um, it's really, it doesn't serve the client to show up on a call if I'm not in the space, right, a healthy space to be present with them and to serve them in the way that they deserve to be served. I look at coaching as, um, you know, a service. And so I think for anyone that wants to explore that, go for it and know it is something to, you You will want to invest in yourself more than you want to invest in like the product of coaching. Like, um, and I think it, it takes, there's phases and it takes time and anyone promising you all your dreams will come true. You'll be a master level coach. You'll make all this money coaching, et cetera, et cetera. They cannot promise you that because they don't know you. They don't know where you're coming from. They don't know what you're experiencing. You could be coming in with a whole boatload of trauma that you haven't addressed. Um, or you might be fine, have all financial issues and live in an entire world of scarcity and you're blowing all your money left and right. Or you could be coming in with an enormous amount of debt. Um, I mean, there could, you could be coming into this world with so many things that need to be handled and addressed, right? And all that stuff, like we said, gets thrown onto the mat when you start. I mean, to be able to receive a client saying to me, hey, I didn't really like what you said the other day. And to say, "What? thank you for sharing this with me. Yes, okay, I hear you, right? And not say, well, what is that saying about you? Like, has taken work. And I am grateful for all the experiences that I've had in these culty environments. Um, because now I'm at the point where I know that is never who I want to be. That's not how I want to practice. It's not, it wouldn't allow me to put my head peacefully on my pillow at night. So it's, it's shown a whole side of coaching that I know is out there and something that I want to repel from and not have any business to do. And also give my clients the space to navigate their healing on their terms like who am i to say that somebody needs to heal or move through something in a certain amount of time like i'm just you know another bozo on the bus as they say right like i have skills and i am training and i'm doing the work but i'm not in charge i don't i don't get to dictate somebody's healing process right yeah yeah it's really up to the individual yeah so yeah. And as we're wrapping up here, I, you know, what yeah. I'm getting from what we're talking about here is if you're there, you're searching for a coach, explore, vet your coach, 
write some questions down, specific questions, even after you connect with them initially, ask more mm -hmm. questions, think about how you want to feel in an ideal coach. So if you're new to coaching and you don't know, um, those are some good ways to start. And so yeah. I um and I also encourage you to be very specific as to like what are kind of the the areas that you or the specific characteristics of a coach that you're looking for. So I'm always going to throw it out there. If you Instagram is not the best at amplifying BIPOC coaches, queer coaches, mm -hmm. if you are looking for recommendations for AAPI, BIPOC, queer, neurodivergent coaches, like definitely hit me up because I'm aware of them and I am aware that they're not shown on your feed uh, that you actually have to specifically seek that out. So just know that that's mm -hmm. also an option is that if it's very important for you to talk about your queer experience, seek out a queer coach. If it's very important yeah. for you growing up BIPOC that your coach understand why you feel a certain way and that's important to you, seek out a BIPOC coach. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry that we have to go because like, I feel like Brandy and I could be up here like, to the break of dawn Yeah. But, um, hey, there might be future episodes in the works, but. Uh, yeah. And I just want to add one last thing before we go too. For any of the seekers out there, um, like myself, trust in the idea that like, you'll kind of always be seeking. Like there's no one person, there's no one magic key, there's no one magic bullet, there's no one magic course, coach, curriculum, book, thing, city, town, smoothie recipe, supplement, you know, divine feminine, masculine, whatever the hell stuff. Like there's never going to be one thing that's going to fulfill you inside. So just know that, that you'll always be seeking, you'll always be somebody that's yearning and craving more information but the work has to go internal and to find and fulfill yourself from within and then anything that you're kind of seeking for it's just like one more you know thing of sprinkles on your beautiful you know masterpiece of a cake kind of thing it's like it has to come from within so get to a place where you feel whole and com complete and um aligned with yourself and have a have a strong sense of who you are and then all that other stuff can go on top of that and add to it. It's not the answer. So I just want to put that out there too. I love there that. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much, Brandy. Talk to you again soon. Bye. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Bye. I never felt like there was a table for me to sit at. And what I mean by that is like, I didn't fit into anyone's box right? Like I'm not a prim and proper Asian at all. <laughs> I'm loud, rowdy, unapologetic. I got mosquito bites for, for breasts, but I got a big old booty, you know, like the, the type of big old booty that rips through like the stitches on jeans, like that I have to throw out a, a lot of times. And so I, I didn't feel accepted on in anyone's table. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to create my own table because people think of self-defense um, in this very linear way. And I wanted to do a different way and show people another way. And so that's really why I'm here in the podcast is that I don't see enough BIPOC women, enough queer youth 
um, and enough representation of the queer community. Uh, I don't see a lot of representation for neurodivergency or um, for people who are from differently abled communities. I mean, I just want, I mean, it's, I just want to see someone that looks like someone I grew up with or I can see a part of myself in. And, and that's really what I'm here to do is to really amplify it. And, and it's really not about me uh, speaking all the time. It's really like having a platform where others can really celebrate, but also honor these experiences rather than having to like trim and modify just to kind of fit the part, right? Like I identify as Korean and Chinese, but growing up, I would go into the middle school yard. And when I would try to go hang out with the Korean kids, they're just like, well, you don't speak Korean, so you're not Korean enough. And then I would go to the Chinese kids and they're like, well, you're not really Chinese. So what are you? And um, in my heart, like another family that kind of emerged was the Filipino community. And so I've been very blessed to live in the Bay Area and to be surrounded by culture and to uh, have so many people that surround me that give me love that come from so many different perspectives. And I just don't ever see enough platforms for them. I see people in the social justice space, in the activism space, and, and in all their ways trying to like create more representation. And so um, this is my small contribution to making sure that no one gets left behind and no one gets silenced. So I'm going to keep it short and sweet. And next week, I want to talk about So thanks so much for listening. Um, I, If you are wanting to be held in a safe space and to build connection and really wanting to hold space for others who are struggling in a certain way or just to be around folks that um, get it, I am inviting you into a, into a community that I've created, which is the Woman Warrior Community. And it is really about not it's about women standing for women, fighting alongside them, and creating a legacy of strength and being stronger self-advocates for themselves, their families, and for one another. Like, that's the vision, right, is for, for you to have a safe space and not feel like you've lost your voice. And so I invite you into the community. I will um, drop the link here, and it's available to you every week. And so um, I hope that you've enjoyed a little bit of this tidbit and I will see you on our next episode. If you are liking what you're hearing on this podcast and you are craving more connection, I'm personally inviting you into my Woman Warrior community. This is a community where all women are welcome. We will be silenced no more. And this is a space for you to explore what it means to find your voice, build genuine connections with others who aren't trying to fake the funk. If you want to embrace who you are and stand in your power to learn how to make personal safety practical and simple, and simply just continuing to hear diverse voices. See you there.